Well, greetings to you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So good to see you all out this Sabbath morning. Christian author Keith Miller, in his book entitled Habitation of Dragons, I know that's a strange title, but he's talking about the challenges, and he calls them dragons in his own life. He's talking about the dragons of loneliness, insecurity, prejudice, and emotional dishonesty. Well, in this book, Habitation of Dragons, Keith Miller tells the moving story of a um, middle-aged woman who opens up the window of her painful past as an orphan. And so she tells her story, and I'm going to quote it to you this morning. She writes, or says, When I was a tiny girl, I was put in an orphanage. Can you imagine to be abandoned as a child and placed into an orphanage? She writes, I was not pretty at all, and no one wanted me. But I can recall longing to be adopted and loved by a family as far back as I can remember. I thought about it day and night, but everything I did seemed to go wrong. I tried too hard to please everybody who came to look me over, and all I did was to drive people away. Then one day, the head of the orphanage told me a family was going to come and take me home with them. I was so excited. I jumped up and down and I cried. The matron reminded me that I was on trial and that it might not be a permanent arrangement, but I knew it would be. So I went with this family and started to school in their town. A very happy little girl. And life began to open for me, at least a little. Then one day, a few months later, I skipped home from school and ran in the front door of the big old house we lived in. No one was at home. But there in the middle of the front hall was my battered old suitcase. It slowly dawned on me what it meant. They didn't want me. And I hadn't even suspected. How tragic to be abandoned and to be unwanted. Though we may be abandoned and unwanted by parents or friends, we are never abandoned or unwanted by God. If you forget everything I say this morning, I want you to remember that we are loved unconditionally by God. Can you praise God for that? Indeed, we are loved unconditionally by God. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me and meet me in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Chapter 1 
and verse 5. The book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse 5. The apostle writes, Having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, some people get a little hung up on that word predestined. There are those who teach that God has chosen some to be saved and some to be lost. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Jesus died for all. And so Paul says we have been predestined to adoption. And that's the key word that I want to zero in this morning with you. In the Old Testament and the New, the meaning of adoption is the same as it is today. Adoption is a legal transaction by which a person takes into his family a child. Not of his own, that is not a biological child, with the purpose of treating that child as their very own, with all the rights and privileges that come with that adoption. Now this, this practice or custom was very common among the Romans. Roman law allowed for adopted children to have the same rights and privileges as biological children. Matter of fact, they could even have Roman citizenship. So the Apostle Paul uses this adoption process to illustrate our entering into the family of God. Did you know that? That we have been adopted through Jesus Christ into the family of God. Now in the book of Exodus chapter 2 verse 10, we read that Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter as her very own with all rights and privileges as a son, as a biological son. And matter of fact, Moses was groomed to be the future Pharaoh of Egypt. And in the book of Esther, chapter 2, verse 7, we're told that Esther was adopted by her uncle Mordecai as his own daughter with all the rights and privileges that a daughter would have. And then in Romans 9 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul speaks of the adoption of Israel by Jehovah. Now keep your finger there in Ephesians, if you would, because we're going to come back. But go back one book with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 5. The book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul writes, well, let's start with 4. But when the fullness of time had come, in other words, when God's prophetic clock struck the exact hour when the Messiah was to be born, Jesus came right on schedule, not a minute late, not a minute early. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that is its condemnation, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law, its condemnation, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. 
So Paul says very plainly to us, those who believe in Jesus Christ are being adopted into the family of God. Can you praise God for that? Now this glorious truth of being adopted into God's family should encourage and strengthen us on our Christian journey. Now the doctrine of adoption is based upon two basic facts. Number one, because sin and our sinful nature, we are alienated or separated from God. Isaiah 59.2 tells us, For your sins have separated you from God. So sin separates us from God. Secondly, this, this condition, this separation from God, makes the adoption into God's family very critical, very crucial, very important. Matter of fact, there are those who believe it's impossible to have an intimate relationship with God without being adopted into the family of God. Now, with being adopted into the family of God come many blessings. Number one, our adoption by God restores a broken relationship. The story of the prodigal son recorded in Luke 15 and his return to his father's house illustrates this very clearly. That is the effect of our adoption. And Paul speaks of the Gentiles who were once separated as being able to share in the blessings of the gospel with Israel. Let's look at that. Ephesians 2 now, verses 12 and 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. That at that time, you were without Christ. He's talking about the Gentiles. They were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. Now, compared to the Jews, Gentiles had four distinct disadvantages. And Paul tells us what they are in verses 12 and 13. Number one, they were separated from God having no expectation of a Messiah to come and to save them. So they were separated from God. Secondly, Paul says that they were excluded from God's promises. You see, all of God's promises to his people, all the distinct privileges that made them his people, to these the Gentiles were foreigners. Meaning they had no share in the promises of God. So number one, they were separated from God. Number two, they were excluded from God's promises. And then thirdly, they were without hope. They had no divine promises and thus no basis for hope. Now people can live without a lot of things, but you can't really live without hope. You can't live without hope. And they were without hope. And lastly, number four, they were without God. Gentiles worshipped many gods, but they were without the one true God, the creator God. And without God in their lives, the world was all they had. So some people without God, all they have is the world. That's all they know. 
That's all they can experience without God. Now notice verse 13. But now, writes Paul, he's bringing a contrast, a transition between what Gentiles were before Christ and now what they're going to be in Christ. These two words are powerful. They're, they're important. They're, they're pregnant with meaning. But now, he says, in Christ. When an individual accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are now in Christ. And so Paul says, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. These two little words reveal God's intervention into the human family and his story of redemption. No one is excluded from being part of the family of God. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're slave or free, no one, absolutely no one is excluded from being part of the family of God. And how is this possible? How is it possible that I can be a member of the family of God? Well, our adoption into God's family is made possible only by Christ's sacrifice on Calvary's cross. Notice Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. And that he might redeem them both to God in one body. In other words, there had been a separation between Jews and Gentiles. There had been a wall that had been erected between them. They, they, there was hatred between them. And so Paul writes here in verse 16 that he, that is Jesus Christ, might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, that is that separation. And because of Jesus' death on Calvary's cross, we are no longer strangers, no longer alienated from God. We are indeed part of the family of God. Now, if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough that we can be adopted into the family of God, there are yet more blessings that come to us. Notice Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Grace is something you don't deserve, but God gives it to you anyway. It's unmerited favor. Paul writes here in... Uh, Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, to which he has made it accepted into the beloved. What's the beloved that we've been accepted to? Well, there's no question in its primary application. It refers to being brought into Christ, who is the beloved. No question about that. But you can remember that when Jesus, in his earthly ministry, Every now and then, God the Father spoke. And the Father said, this is my, what's the next word? Beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I believe there's a second application here of being accepted into the Beloved. I believe it means that when we are in Christ, and endowed with the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, then we live out the will of God 
in our lives. And God the Father can say about you and me, these are my beloved sons and daughters in whom I am well pleased. So we're accepted into the beloved. Thirdly, we become children of God because of the adoption, the very moment we believe in and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Keep your fingers in Ephesians. Go with me to the Gospel of John because we'll be coming back to Ephesians. Gospel of John, chapter 1. These tremendous words, verses 12 and 13. Gospel of John, chapter 12 and 13. But as many as received him, that is Jesus Christ, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of, what's it say? God. Now, if that wasn't enough to be adopted into the family of God with all its rights and privileges and to be accepted into the Beloved, notice what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 6. He says that the Gentiles... Now, who are the Gentiles? Well, the Gentile is anybody who is not a literal Jew. We are not literal Jews, unless there's somebody Jewish here. We are spiritual Jews in Christ, are we not? But we're Gentiles, you and I. We are Gentiles. So Paul is saying here, in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, In him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We have been redeemed, beloved, by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word redeemed means that we have been bought back. You see, when Jesus came and died on Calvary's cross, he bought us back to himself. So we belong to God two times over, by creation and by redemption. By the blood of Christ. The blood is the ransom price. Redemption means we have been bought back. We belong to God by creation and by redemption. John 3.16 says it so beautifully. That God so loved the world. He's not talking about the planet, by the way. He's talking about those that inhabit the planet. In other words, the human family. That God so loved the human family that, that God the Father gave his unique son that whoever would accept him, whoever would believe in him, that he is the anointed one, the son of the living God, to them he would give eternal life. Life without end. By the way, an individual is not lost because they are a sinner. You know that. I repeat, an individual is not lost because they are a sinner. They are lost because they refuse to accept the gift of God. 
And what is the gift of God? It's Jesus Christ. And with him comes forgiveness of sin and grace and eternal life. People are lost because they reject the gift of God. And that brings us to the final question of this morning's message. What will you do with the reality of knowing that you have been adopted into the family of God with all its rights and privileges? What will you do with that knowledge? Well, let me conclude this morning with a story. It's just a story. But it has something to say to you and to me. And so I share this story with you this morning in conclusion. A doctor was driving home from his office. And he noticed a dog lying by the side of the road. Obviously the dog was injured. And so the doctor had some compassion and he pulled his car over and he got out of the car and came to the dog and he noticed that it was a mangy, dirty, hungry, flea-infested dog and he had a broken leg. And he looked to see if the dog had a collar or a dog tag and there was nothing. So deeply moved about this injured creature, the doctor very carefully, very carefully picked up the dog and he placed the injured dog in his car and he took the dog home. He bathed the dog as best he could and he treated his flea infestation and then he set the broken leg. And he fed the dog. It was obvious that the dog was malnourished. And so he fed the dog and provided water for him. And he would brush and he would comb him. And of course there began a bond between the doctor and this dog. And with the passage of days and weeks, the dog took on weight because he was eating on a regular basis. And he was being combed and brushed. That former mangy, dirty, hungry, flea-infested dog became a beautiful dog. A beautiful creature. Well, one day, inadvertently, someone left the front door ajar. Opened just a little bit. And the dog got out. So when the doctor came home, he was told that the dog had got out. Well, the doctor thought, well, you know how it is with dogs. He's probably out there playing with other dogs in the neighborhood and when it comes near supper time, he'll be coming home. Sure enough. Well, the dog didn't return. It was time for supper and, and he was not there. And then it was dark and the dog had not returned. And the doctor thought to himself, what an ungrateful dog. You know, I picked him up at the side of the, of the road, uh, injured, uh, dirty, mangy, hungry, flea-infested. And the first chance he gets, he runs out into the neighborhood and he disappeared. What an ungrateful dog. And so with a heavy heart, the doctor went to bed that night. But early the next morning, he heard a scratching at the door. 
He got up and came to the door, opened the door, and there sat his dog with the tail wagging back and forth. But he hadn't come alone. He had brought five under other mangy, hungry, flea-infested dogs with him. And so I asked you the question again. What will you do with the reality that you have been adopted into the family of God with all its rights and privileges? We must not keep the good news to ourselves. We must go and tell and bring others to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because they too are part of the family of God. If you'll take your little insert, uh, mine is green, I don't know what color you might have. It's entitled, The Family of God. This is a gospel song, we've never sung it, I believe, in this church. But I want to sing it today. I want to sing it a little slower than it normally is played or sung. Because I want you to see the words. And I've chosen the second verse because it talks about an orphanage. From an orphanage to the house of the king. That's us, beloved, with the adoption. So if you'll take that and we'll sing it together this morning. The family of God. stand as we sing together. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joy is with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God I belong. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Joy is with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm a part of 
family, the family of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we don't find words that are adequate to express how grateful, how thankful we are to know that we are part of the family of God with all its rights and privileges. Joint heirs with Jesus. That's incredible. Joint heirs with Jesus. What belongs to Jesus belongs to us. What an amazing thought, Lord. And we praise you for that. And as we leave this house of worship today, may we know that we've been with you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.